listening to Around Comics. the radio hello how are you it's the radio i know it's not really the radio i don't i don't even know what that voice was i'm not sure it just popped in my head uh did you ever when you were younger when you were a child if you were old like me i'm an old person now did you ever uh do you guys remember uh eight not eight track cassette tapes they're making a comeback evidently as is everything in the fucking 80s is making we're out of ideas now it's just Recycle generation after generation. We're, we have no new creative thoughts. Everything just comes back. It's, uh, it's So it's 80s time. Cassette tapes are coming back. When I was a kid, I used to make uh, cassette tapes of radio shows. How weird is that? And then, I, and then I became a podcaster. Well, not like I became a podcaster. That's not like... I mean, you don't have to really do anything to become a podcaster other than spend 20 bucks a month on hosting and maybe have a microphone. That's really all you have to do to become a po- professional podcast. I guess a professional would mean somebody would be paying me for this. Nobody nobody really is, so I'm paying myself to do this. So that doesn't really count as a professional podcast. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure that there are there are people out there. Who's a pro- Joe Rogan is a professional podcaster. He That's his job. That's his main source of income, I think, is podcasting. Mark Maron is probably considered like a professional podcaster and comedian. All the comedians are podcasters now, which kind of drives me insane because they're much funnier and more entertaining to listen to than your average schmo talking about comic books. So it's, uh, you know, it's a competitive marketplace for a amateur podcaster to try and get a foothold uh, in, uh, in that world. In radio, because we're in radio. This is sort of a Ed Sullivan it's an Ed Sullivan. Uh, that's a real old poll for you youngins. I know I, I my demographic on this is very young, uh, very skews to the uh, eighteen. Well, the eighteen month olds uh, love it. Eighteen month olds love this podcast, and then anywhere from eighteen month to I would say like uh, four hundred and twenty seven month olds. That that uh, they that's my main demographic. I think it's a small niche of uh, infants and toddlers. But uh, hey, you know they watch YouTube too. You ever seen those little bastards just fucking sucking it up on an iPhone? Their mom's lap can't get enough of it. Can't get enough of YouTube. <clears throat> I don't know what we're doing to uh, future generations of children, but it's probably not a good thing. It's probably probably not a good thing. But they said that about radio. They shed. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea why I keep radio. We're on the radio. Uh, what have I got to talk about today, folks? It's been a while since I did one of these. Um, a lot going on, and, and uh, not really. I, I don't know. I just uh, 
it's it's uh i could pretend i could sit here and pretend and lie to you as henry Ford said you know uh either you know uh work uh for ford on my uh assembly line or i'll have you murdered and buried in a uh, unmarked grave no i don't think henry ford ever said that but he said something about uh success and failure and uh or just lie about it i think that's kind of uh, I, you know that's a way to, to lead your life. Either be successful, work hard, and turn failures into a lesson, or just lie about it to your friends, and they probably won't give a shit enough to really care. I have my uh, 30th high school reunion. That's how old I am. It's coming up this weekend. I'm really not looking forward to it, uh, but my wife wants to go, and so I figure, okay, why not? Uh, that should be interesting. I don't really, whatever, I could care less. I just. I didn't like high school when I was there. I don't really, you know, most of the people there I didn't give a shit about and I don't give a shit about them now. But hey, let's uh, maybe, maybe you know, maybe that can change. No, it won't. I, I still won't give a shit about those people. I always picture it as like gross point blank sort of, but uh, you know, it won't be nearly as fun or weird as that movie. Uh, makes you believe that high school reunions can be. That, that movie lied to you, uh, lied to me. It made a liar out of John Cusack and Minnie Driver, was that her name, Minnie Driver? I think that was her name. Uh, making you believe that high school unions were fun and quirky and and uh, you, know, you were gonna maybe have to assassinate someone. Uh, that could be the possibility. Anyway, what, uh, what do I wanna talk about today? Nothing, it has nothing to do with uh, any of that. Um, I want to talk about identity. Uh, I don't want to say identity politics necessarily, but I guess that is what it is. I'm not. I, I don't want to. Uh, I. It's come to my sort of understanding that there is a underlying current in comics today about identity and diversity, and that's uh, you know ultimately a very good thing. I think we can mostly agree on. Uh, I, I don't want to come off as someone that is against any of that stuff. I think representation for people is important to a certain degree. I, I, I don't think it's as important as maybe people lead you to believe, but uh, hey, I've had, you know, 40, 50 years of comics of people that kind of look like me and are in relationships that I'm familiar with and, you know, you know kind of white, straight, males. There's plenty of comics out there still and from the past uh, that represent me for the most part. Although I'm not 100% white, but I, I, I think I identify as white. <laughs> I identify as a straight white male. Um, but, you know, obviously over the last few years, uh, that has changed slowly uh, in comics. Some for the better, some for the homogenous and uh, mediocre. But, um, you're seeing you're seeing that companies are making an effort to some degree or another uh, trying to be inclusive and trying to give people uh, characters that they can identify with whether it be uh, race or or uh, gender or sexual identity whatever it may be and as I said I'm I'm not going to sit here and complain about that because there's no uh, reason to complain about it really if you're a logical, uh, thoughtful person, which I consider myself as such. Uh, 
I would I would complain about individual books and individual things and some of the processes of doing this, but you know, it's a messy thing to try and fix 60, 70 years of um, mistakes in a couple of years. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. But one of the things that has come up to me that, that I've sort of noticed recently is that companies like Marvel and DC are in a weird position, and especially like editors and people that hire talent. There's this sort of recently I've noticed outcry from people inside the industry, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, sort of people that write and blog and talk about comics or, or online, uh, more specifically people on Twitter and, and, and those places talking about comics and complaining about comics and complaining about how, you know, these companies are still failing day after day in, in this effort to diversify and to give people um, representation and uh, not just with the characters but more specifically with the people they hire uh, and and it's become this I think very strange position that these companies are in because they're told you know a person of color if you're writing a character that is black or a character that is gay or a character that is trans or a character that is a female then in order to properly handle that um character you should be of that same place to properly identify with that character and handle the character in the appropriate way i don't necessarily agree with that um i don't know if that makes for the best stories i don't know if you're you're taking the best talent and 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 making the best stories of it but i understand the uh the reasoning behind it i understand the the purpose behind that effort or, or that thought and okay, so, um, you know, if, if you're going to write Black Panther, maybe you should be black. Or if you're going to write, uh, you know, whatever character it is, you should be of that same place so that you can come from a, you know, sort of honest and um, genuine place that that character would be relatable from. You know what I mean? And, and that makes sense. But then there's this becomes this thing where people are complaining that, you know, a black writer is only offered or only writing black characters or a female isn't writing male characters or, you know, a, a, a gay writer isn't writing straight characters. And I, I kind of chuckle at that because it's, it's this weird place of like, okay, you don't want you know, someone straight and white to write anything other than straight white people, characters, straight, you know, a straight white man who, let's face it, at this point in time is still the majority of comic book writers are straight white men. Whether or not that is, you know, sort of problematic or that's a part of the industry's problems or of, of sort of a systematic racism or whatever it is, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that answer. Or if it's just, you know, the, there's the majority of people that are uh, writing comics, I think, in, in, say, the United States are probably straight white men still. Um, yes, there's definitely black women and gay men and uh, Chinese and whatever race. There, there are artists and writers in comics from all 
creeds and, and, and classes and races and, and everything. Uh, they exist, but but the, I don't think that they're the majority because they're not the majority of just population. Uh, so just simple math kind of tells you that, you know, straight white men are still going to be the majority of, of writers and and artists that are out there. And maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I, but I, that's, you know, I don't have any data to support that argument. I'm just saying, you know, off the top of my head, that, that seems logical to me. So you have this pool of resources. You're an editor, say, at Marvel or DC, and you need to hire someone for a book to write it. And it's a black character or it's a gay character or it's a female or whatever it is. So your first instinct is, oh, I have to find someone who is of that same thing. If it's a black character, I have to find a black writer, right? Like that's pretty logical. That's what people have told us. That's what, you know, sort of uh, complaints are about to some degree, or that's what, you know, that's, I wouldn't say it's a mandate from on high, but I think that there is an unwritten sort of rule in, in comics now from Marvel and DC. You know, there's an atmosphere that's like, if you're going to create a new book or if you're going to hire a writer for a black character or a female driven book, then they better be of that same, you know, place. I think that's there. I think editors are definitely aware of that. I'm aware of it. I've been told as much from multiple people in the industry that, you know, writers are reluctant to pitch stories unless it's a character that is of their same, you know, gender or race or whatever. Uh, male character, you know, male writers are not pitching female-driven books because they're conscious of the fact, or they're they think at least that the company is not going to go with it because they're not female or whatever, black or whatever it might be. Which that's a problem in and of itself. But okay, we're trying to fix issues, so like I said, things are going to get messy. It's not going to be perfect. So. But, you know, okay, if you're an editor, say, or you're a hiring agent uh, at Marvel and DC and you're looking to fulfill a, a need, you have a, a book that's, you know, female-driven. I need a female writer. Okay. So I have this talent pool of female writers, and there's, a, there's certainly good female comic book writers out there. I'm sure there's more than we are aware of, maybe, uh, or I'm aware of. There's plenty out there, I'm sure, you can, you can pick from or... or Get. But, you know, the, the, the pool gets narrowed at some point because, okay, well, not only do I have to get a female, but I have to get a female who, uh, one, maybe sells books. Because at the end of the day, Marvel and DC is in the business of selling books. So, you know, there's names. There's certain names that sell books. And if you're going to have a big, if you're on a big title, if you're an editor of Batman or you're an editor of Spider-Man or whatever it may be, you know, in order to, one of the parts I'm sure of keeping your job is selling books and making sure you're putting someone on the book that continues to sell books, that doesn't have a big drop off in sales or hopefully increases sales. That's part of it. Regardless of talent level or just, you know, diversity or need or whatever it may be, that's part of it. It just is a reality. These companies are there to sell books first and foremost. So, so that shrinks the talent pool a little bit because you know, if, yeah, there might be plenty of like female, you know, say, say you're writing, uh, say you're looking to fill a, a book for a black female character. Yeah, there might be plenty of black female writers out there, but how many of them have proven that they can get the work in on time, have a name, and, and might sell books, 
have some cachet, are professional, are easy to work with or, or good to work with, uh, and write well. You know, so I don't know that that shrinks things. Okay, but I still want that typewriter, so I go out and I try and find one, and, and maybe I do, maybe I can't, whatever it may be. But now there's this thing in the industry where people are sort of insulted by the idea that you're offering only a black female character to a black female or a gay character to a gay writer or a, you know, a, a, an Asian character to an Asian writer. Um, people are offended by this, their, their sense of right and wrong. It's like, why should they only get those? And it's like, well, okay, uh, not that they should only, but if I am in a position where I have to fulfill that spot with, you know, if I have an Asian character and I are an Asian led book, I have to find an Asian writer. I have to offer it to an Asian writers to this small pool of writers or artists. Uh, and if I have Batman, who's not that, well, I'm not going to offer it necessarily to an, a small pool. I'm going to go to a big pool. I'm going to try and find a big name. I'm going to find someone that I think is going to sell a ton of books. Who's either so talented that no one can deny it or who already has built a following where we can piggyback on that and ensure that certain amount of books are sold. You can take chances, I think, on smaller titles. You can take chances on, you know, smaller runs or that kind of thing. But, you know, there's this, this idea that everything is going to be fixed overnight and anytime it's not, it's an injustice. And sometimes it's just the reality of what we're able to do or what people are able to do, what companies are able to do, or, you know, while still staying in business. You can't expect a company like Marvel or DC to lose money just to make your sense of justice fulfilled. It's a ridiculous thing, but it, it continues to sort of prosper in fandom and in, in, you know, in journalism and that kind of thing in comics where you're putting these editors and, and hiring agents in incredibly tough situations and expecting them to be perfect, expecting them to never make mistakes and expecting them, you know, some 23-year-old editor at Marvel to fix 60 years of diversity problems. Uh, that seems a bit insane to try and do that. But we continue to try. I mean, and it's right to continue to push, but I don't think we can just sort of lambaste and, 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 and you know, demonize these companies for doing what they're going to do, which is, is be a company first. I think uh, it's kind of ridiculous. It's getting to this point of ridiculousness that you're asking so much uh, that it's always going to be impossible. It's going to be impossible to fulfill these these requirements that you're putting on these companies. It, they can work towards it. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something to complain about. It's never going to be a hundred percent right. Uh, but if they're working towards it, they, you know, I think we have to, if nothing else, give time to try and fix the problems. You can't expect this to be fixed overnight. Um, and I think it's just kind of crazy to try, but. I also think, like I said, it, it creates other problems where, you know, and I don't know that this is a major problem because quite honestly, there's plenty of shitty comic books that have been produced over 60, 70 years of comics. So if you're giving, if you give a chance to someone that isn't maybe straight and white and male and, and the book isn't the best because they're still sort of finding their way or they haven't, you know, maybe had five, six, seven, eight, nine years of experience in the industry, you know, making indie books, working for image or, or doing a bunch of other stuff. And then now there's, now it's their chance. Maybe you give someone an opportunity 
that you wouldn't give a straight white male, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's a big issue. Okay. Let's, like I said, we're trying to correct problems that are, that exist. And so, you know, if, if mistakes are made going the other direction, okay, you know, so be it. Everybody will be fine. We'll all get over it. It'll be okay. I don't know. That's just some thoughts I had. I unfortunately have to run. Uh, that's all I got on this radio, radio shoe. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back. Me and Chris and Tom will be back at the end of the month, I think, with another episode. I might come back with some other stuff here soon. We'll see. I don't know if I ever have thoughts on things. Please feel free to send me your thoughts at info at aroundcomics.com or you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Around Comics Facebook. We're on there too. Uh, we did start a YouTube channel where it's just audio at this point. I don't know if we're ever going to do anything more than that. Quite honestly, we just we just don't have the um, manpower or energy to try and... I'd love to do a video uh, show with the three of us. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I'd love to start a Kickstarter to try and send us to San Diego Comic-Con at some point. Not this year, obviously. It's way too early or way too late. But that's an idea of kicking around of trying to get me, Chris and Tom to go to, to uh, San Diego Comic-Con one year, uh, maybe with the help of our listeners to try and cover a bunch of stuff there and, and have fun with it and, and record a bunch of episodes while we're there. I don't know, just an idea. Uh, send me your thoughts on stuff. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying us coming back and doing around comics. It seems that you are. Uh, I know it's not weekly. I know it's probably different than what you remember, but Hey, stick with us. We're still, uh, we're still, you know, having a good time talking about comics and, uh, and figuring out what this new iteration of around comics is. But, uh, yeah, aroundcomics.com. You can always find us there in the meantime, in between time, we'll be everywhere in and around radio. No comics. <laughs>